Hello and welcome to NDA. I'm here with the uh, the team behind Jetlag, the Jetlag Boys. Also, it's a <laughs> it's a podcast, so retention is kind of I don't know. If you don't make it the first two or three minutes in, this probably isn't your show anyway. Mm, okay. We do often save the spiciest, most cancel worthy stuff for the end because we figure that if anybody stays that long, they're probably on board with whatever we're saying. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say my worst opinion in the last minute of this. This podcast. is exciting. Okay. Ooh. Ooh. So normally we talk creator economy stuff, and uh, it's usually with like me and a creator. You guys are sort of a different animal here because you're not a creator. Creators wanting to pretend that because they're the only person on camera, there's nobody else behind the scenes mm-hmm. with them. And uh, more, I'm starting to see like uh, Brian and the real engineering team on their landing page for Nebula. He wanted everybody on the team to like get a headshot and like their pronouns and their job title and stuff like celebrate the entire team. And it's really cool being able to do a show like this now with the three of you because jet lag is, there's more people behind the scenes too, but uh, this is a rare instance of kind of celebrating the people who, who help make the totality of the thing happen rather than just like the star of the show stepping out and acting like, you know, behaving as if you did all of this yourself. The dynamic there, how does that work behind the scenes? Well, I don't think it's all that much different than how kind of any team works um, on YouTube. Um, any any uh, team that works well, at least on YouTube, any creative team. You know, the main difference is, is just that uh, in the very small sliver of our jobs that is running around the world for a couple days, they're in front of the camera. It's worth keeping in mind that that's like, what, like probably 15 work days a year you factor in all the time that we're like traveling yeah but if you factor in the actual play days yeah. the days that we're filming ourselves mm-hmm. that's that ends up being yeah like 20 days a year although but, each but day the rest feels of like the time yeah. you you guys are behind the scenes on the other shows well, and I mean, this so show is not Sam, not, right? not so much anymore now now oh, well, yeah. you guys are fully on jet lag now well ben I am. ben is um adam is fully on jet lag ben is yeah. two-thirds on jet lag outside i still write at half as interesting every now yeah. and then ben writes two hais a month because you you were both HAI or were they Wendover yeah. or something? We were both HAI. Yeah. Like Stuff I like did that. a lot of work on the documentaries, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like the Nebula original documentaries. Like I mean, Adam's uh, been Adam was literally first internal hire. Yeah, so he's that was worked on just over three years ago, right? Would have been. Well, I would have started freelancing for you. It was the summer of the 2019. very beginning of um, 2019, like January 2019. Or maybe December 2018. Yeah, I, right. yeah. I started and then freelancing because yeah. it was around the second semester. It was when I was starting second semester of my senior year of college. Right. Then. Really, it was that early. Cause I didn't meet you yeah. until like five minutes before COVID. We oh were, yeah, we were at a Rangers game. We met at a Rangers game. Yeah. I see you guys all the time. Like, yeah. you come in, we do these things, or we'll do the the like what we're doing tomorrow with the the jet lag premiere thing, uh, the event. There's a relationship with the show. Right. And obviously, like, people are tweeting at me about jet lag all day, every day. People are posting on our subreddit about jet lag all day, every day. This, it's unavoidable for me. So as far as I'm concerned, it's, we were talking earlier, there's this, this strange thing where, like, I'm connected enough to it that I have some kind of voice of authority. But the truth is my insight into exactly what's happen, happening at any given moment, I'm basically a fan. So, like, if I make a joke or if I comment on Twitter or something, I'm doing that as a fan, not as somebody who actually knows anything. Very rarely do I know who's won. Very rarely. Sometimes I'll know, like, where the next season is going to be or who the next guess is because of open conversation. But it's not a thing that gets run by me. Nobody knows who's won. No. You guys haven't told anyone, right? I've told my family, my girlfriend. I've told, like, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Tweeting about it. Yeah. Instantly. Anyone can come up to Ben on the street and he'll tell him. Ben is famously our Tom Holland. Yep. Uh, yeah. It was a year or two ago, Patrick Williams and I, uh, probably drunk, uh, we bought AuthenticYouTubeProps.com. And the only authentic YouTube prop that we have to sell is from Night of the Coconut, the note that I read that's like Charles, the, the, the note from Charles about uh, uh, right. at the end. Uh, I scribbled on a napkin with a Sharpie at a coffee shop. And I, at the end of the shot, I stick it in my pocket. So I still have that. Mm. So like, we should sell the note from Charles as a thing. So we never built the website, but we have a whole structure in place. We could. I mean, we could we, we've sell talked off. about for seasons like uh, like every season. I feel like it comes up that we just want to do like 
auctioning off the cards for like a nonprofit or yeah. something. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like we've been so caught up with making the show that we haven't yeah. gotten to it. But at the end of last season, we had so much stuff that we had to get rid of it. Oh yeah. In New Zealand. Oh yeah. Those cards yeah. were full. That was yeah. funny. So like we had all this stuff and like I didn't want to travel back with it. So I just tweeted like, are there any jet lag fans in Queenstown, New Zealand, or like are within an hour drive who want a bunch of stuff? Did you sign any of it? A sign no, well, what was really funny is the person who claimed it, they were like busy or something. They sent their brother to come get it. So it was just this guy who like didn't know what was going on. Didn't, <laughs> no idea who you are. Didn't know oh. who I was. Didn't watch the show. Just picking up a bunch and of And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> here's a rugby ball and a fishing rod. And you gave away my rugby ball to someone who didn't even appreciate it. Well, no, he's going to give it to his brother who will appreciate it. It's a great it. brother. Okay. I would never do that for yeah, my brother. Yeah, it's crazy. Like there's yeah, some YouTubers yeah, who have a bunch of way. junk that they want to get rid of. Go do that for me. Yeah. But that was, I, I'll say, I think another moment in the process of being like, oh, this is real. That like I could be in Queenstown, New Zealand and do a tweet, which like not even that many people follow me on Twitter. We don't link our Twitters in the bio, the show, anywhere. Anyone who follows me on Twitter had to find me. Is that intentional? Uh, I'm asking for specific reasons. Do you guys not want that to be a no, thing? No, it's Sam's fault. The, never asked it. the reason I ask is I saw uh, your username come up answering somebody's unrelated question on our subreddit. Yeah. And I debated, should I flare you so that people know that's no, you? No, don't flare me on the subreddit. Because sometimes I want to be covert <laughs> on, the, on the Reddit. I don't know. I think it's more a thing just like we've never bothered to put our Twitter handles anywhere. I guess we should. I guess we should. Maybe yeah. we will. I don't Might know. Well. Maybe next season we'll pop it up. The Twitter thing, for you guys, you weren't really on-screen personalities right. before. Um, there might be people who put two and two together from tweets or retweets or something pre-jet lag and kind of knew who you guys were. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you get stopped out in the wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been getting stopped at airports a lot from for years now. People recognize you. Yeah, but it certainly picked up quite a lot, yeah. Yeah, uh, so you're a little bit more used to this. For you guys, how do you feel about that transition? Do you think of yourselves as like, YouTubers now in that way? Or is it just kind of like, I got a weird fucking job? It's, well, that's, that's a weird thing. I mean, it's very hard to classify what we do. And it goes back to the thing that you, you were talking about before, which is like, yeah. well, like our relationship to all of the stuff around us is really complicated. And so it's like, you know, if I had, you know, one second to explain to someone what I do, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. But then, you know, if I'm meeting someone, I'm like, yeah, there's this guy and I write some videos, but then also I'm in some videos, but then I helped create that, but it's like a company. And so... Yeah, it's yeah, complicated. Yeah, it's a weird it's thing. Fair to just say creator. Like, yeah, I, 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 I think that. we're fairly can say that we're creators. Well, and, and also, I mean, I think the other thing, Sam owns like the jet lag property, but like in context, like we essentially have the same relation to it, relationship to it, like financially and like creatively. I think it's very similar to what we would have if we did technically have ownership of that brand. Because, like, as the brand grows, like, you know, our compensation from, like, any money the brand makes grows. Like, and as, you know. That's, that's interesting because that's not always true for people who, there's, like, you're a creator, but, like, are you a creator or, or are you the employee of a creator? Because of the dynamics of the machine, there's enough gray area there that you could kind of skew either way. But I think a lot of people who have, uh, a lot of creators who have staff who end up doing things on camera uh, that that sense of, of scaling things doesn't always apply. I, I think a lot of times creators try to create a structure in which they're not dependent on anyone. Right. Which is a good way of like maintaining, I don't know, control. I was going to say control. Yeah. But it's a bad way of, I think, growing because like, you need like you need to recognize the unique skill sets of people and become dependent on them. The one thing that I will often say is like you your role in this company is to make us dependent on you. Mm. Because if you're if you're if we're dependent on them, that means they're doing something that is better than anyone else out there could do. I think of it similarly to uh, the Johnny Harris problem with Vox, mm-hmm. where Johnny Harris leaves a box 
And then later, Cleo Abram leaves Vox, and there's a handful of other people there that I've spoken to who are like, you know, teetering on the edge of that decision. But with Johnny leaving, like, here was somebody who makes a really big property of theirs, who does things in a specific style, and has built up a brand for himself that when he leaves, he takes that brand with him. And that is a net negative for Vox. My suggestion to them is rather than being the thing that somebody like Johnny leaves and like mourning that loss, it is so much better for for Vox or any media brand to be uh, be seen as an incubator of talent. Where if you are like young and hungry and energized, you want to work there because that is a machine that will help you develop into something bigger. And maybe you're there for the bigger and better, or maybe you leave for the bigger and better. None of this should be a machine that is designed to keep you in because they own you. It should be a machine that's designed to keep you in because there's a really good ecosystem there. And fostering and developing talent should be uh, an assumed part of the process, not uh, an unintended consequence of them just hiring people who happen to be good. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of, you know, kind of looking at that from the business perspective, a lot of a lot of the focus for us that I think we've done quite well and I think we recognize as being critical to the future is understanding how to operate as a team. With each season, we see ourselves getting more and more efficient. And I, and I think part of it, it's like part knowing how to operate with each other, knowing which, you know, what each person's kind of core competencies are. And then I think another part of it is, is really just getting a little bit more on the same page. I think we've had more time and more evidence to kind of discuss why something works or doesn't work. Um, and with that, there's much less, like the reason why there is that is because we've had the time to have the conversations in the past where we don't agree to get to at least, you know, if, if it's not full agreement, it's understanding why we disagree. And I think the, the problem in the Vox, and I'm not trying to pick on Vox, but I think the difference with their structure is that they, they find um, a talented person, give them some, some rope and you know, some tools, and then send them out into the wilderness. And then that person goes and does their own thing. And eventually they say, like, well, why am I here if I'm doing this on my own anyway? And they, they also only hire all-in-one creators. Right. right. You, know, you mentioned dependence. And I think like one thing that's interesting is like we're all dependent on each other. Right. Like, and I think that's part of why... Like, one thing that's you know we talk a lot about to in a business sense is like aligning incentives and like there's no world where Sam could try to like not pay us fairly for the work <laughs> that we're doing because like if we quit the show would end right and also like there isn't really a world where Ben and I could go off and be like well we're gonna make the show on our own we're all strapped together mm -hmm. in this thing and like we all need each other which I think is why like no one operates from a sense of fear. Like we operate as a, as a team. Or at least if we're operating from a sense of fear, it's a collective fear. Oh yeah, well we're not afraid of each other, <laughs> I guess is more what I mean, <laughs> you know. We're, we're only ever afraid of not making the show. Except good. for during the game. Why is it always you versus them? Well, Ooh, I guess the, I don't the know. tag We was... want to get into that. Like you're their boss. What a strange dynamic oh, to make them compete well, the, with you. A lot of fans have, have brought up wanting us to switch that structure. Well, and in Tag, we did. That played really well, but no guest, so you well, did that. Well, it's just hard. So, I mean, logistically, a round-robin system is very hard because the thing about it is it's like, you have to think about it in a sense of physical location. Like, if we want to do a system where we switch off partners, that means that we have to be in the physically same place to switch off partners. And in a lot of games, that doesn't happen. Like, Tag worked because it was all about getting to the same physical location so that we were all three in the same physical location so that the partnership could switch. I think we like the idea of it, but then even beyond just the round robin, if we were to like switch it so it's like, uh, you know, Ben and myself versus Adam and a guest, that starts to get a little bit weird, maybe less so nowadays than when we started because like most of the guests are my friends. So it's like people that I know and therefore have at least some level of trust um, with, I think that'll become less and less the case going forward. And also, of course, Adam is getting to know more people, Ben is going to more people, and more people just like know you from the show. Right. Having a personal connection with the person that you're traveling with, like that, uh, especially with like all of the behind, behind the scenes stuff, like it gets really stressful and like really tense. And I think, you know, Adam and I have been really good friends for years and years and years. And like, 
we're really good at resolving tension on the fly because it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of value in traveling with someone who you know well. I mean, I think that's why, like, especially in early seasons, Sam was partnered with, like, Brian and Joseph, two of his very good friends. Well, I think that that speaks to, while it might seem strange there's a power dynamic of competing against your boss, I think it would be way weirder to be traveling with your boss. And, like, if you lose and it's your fault, are you now in trouble? Well, (laughs) I mean... I don't know. I mean, because I... You don't don't think think it would be weirder for the travel bit? Nah, well... I mean, you got to keep in mind, we did travel with our boss, Sam, in tag. And we were on a team with him, albeit briefly, and in ben various lost points in the game. And I was um, briefly fired. I but mean, he's still here. I, I, think, I think it's also important to, like, maybe just even say, like, when we're playing the game, I don't think about Sam as my boss. We've gotten in situations where people are concerned about, like, you know, oh, well, Ben and Adam just, you know, when Sam has like a rules thing that he interprets broadly, but he, you know, Ben and Adam are being bullied into agreeing with Sam because he's their boss. And like, I think it's important. Like, that's like, not the creative dynamic though. Well, exactly. Well, that that's the kind of the point I'm making is like, yes, like technically there is a dynamic where like Sam, you know, Sam started Wendover. Sam is technically our boss, but also like, I think our relationship in many ways is more of like, we're kind of a creative partnership. Like, I mean, as with anyone that works here. Well, yeah, as, as with anybody. Um, with He's Windover, also technically I, my boss. But I, I call think, that out. I think, especially, I think especially with Jetlag, though, we created that show together. So, you know, we, I think, operate in even more of like a partnership creatively than on properties that you started on your own. I mean, Sam, do you feel like that's true that like you think of half as interesting in Wendover. I mean, Wendover particularly is like your babies in a way that like jet lag isn't like. Um, more more Wendover than HAI. Yeah. I mean, because HAI was handed off to, you know, a writing team very early, whereas but Wendover, it's still me. And HAI was designed to be the less serious, more. Yeah, and it, it, was, it was designed from of... the get-go to be handed off. But I mean, certainly like, I would say that my confidence on like, um, pulling rank, if I ever have to do it, on like this is the right way to do it on half as interesting, is much higher than on jet lag right. because purely just based on I've I've been, I've worked on the channel longer than anyone, and I was there when it started, and it all kind of stems from where it grows. Where that's not the case with jet lag, we were we've all been there for the entire history of it. So I don't think anyone's understanding of it is better than anyone else's. There's also an element of on those two properties, it's your like literally your voice. Mm-hmm. Where with jet lag, you're all on camera, you're yeah. all getting screen time. Yeah. It's a little bit less concentrated on you. You don't you, you don't own the entirety of that responsibility in the same way. Well it's also well, it's a it's a little bit different for each, I think, actually. And this is getting a little bit off jet lag because uh, jet lag, I mean, there's no voice, right? We have a narrator, but the narrator is just serving a role and and we need one narrator and uh, it kind of makes sense to keep brand continuity. Which does matter, you know. And, and if anything, I think we should like increase it um, for the, across the different properties um, for me to do that. Half is interesting. I, I don't really think of it as my voice. Wendover, though, that, that is, is my voice. That is, you know, it's essentially. Uh, I mean, what's unsaid but true is that it's essentially an opinion channel, mm-hmm. and in a lot of ways, it's my opinion. In the same way that, like, I don't know, H Bomber guy, it, <laughs> it's you know his voice because he's the one giving those opinions in his video while doing a video essay format. I think Wendover is the same thing. It's just maybe a little bit less overt. I would say even though you're on camera for jet lag, Wendover is of the three the show that is most like being around you in real life. I would agree too. Yeah. Because jet lag is a heightened version of you too, just like HAI is. We've talked about this among ourselves. I just get so hyper competitive in it. And that's kind of nice because it's like the entire rest of the world fades away. And you're just focusing on what matters. And And we've talked about this and, and, I, and I think we all see the same thing. I might just have it to a, a higher degree. Whereas, like, it's kind of amazing during jet lag where, like, I personally find myself incapable of thinking of anything else outside of the game. Incapable. And how I can tell this is by the time we get to the end, like, literally, like, the 10, 15, 20 minutes after we end, we're like, wait, where am I going to sleep tonight? Oh wait, I have a flight back home tomorrow. Oh, I need to record that script. Oh man, I need to respond to these. Yeah. Like like the entire rest of the world comes flooding in. Yeah. And it and I think it just shows how much tunnel vision you have. I'm trying to uh, learn how to treat I don't know jet lag a little bit less like I treat <laughs> like ice hockey or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, it comes through on the show that you're hyper competitive. I mean, yeah. I'm pretty competitive too on the show. 
Yeah. You, I, don't, you are. I don't read I, it as I the think, same kind of thing, though. Well, I think Ben balances that out in all dynamic really out. well. It's like a state of hypnosis. Sometimes, like, we'll be at the end of the day, and I have to, like, shake you out, and I have to be like, Adam, it's okay. Like, he'll, because he'll, like, if, like, we end the day, and, like, we're in a bad spot, but it's like, we're having dinner, and you'll just be, like, catatonic. And well, be, like, and well, well, it's, and it's complicated, too, because, I mean, and we've talked about this before, but it's a really complicated balance that, and I think Ben and I sometimes are a little more attuned to it than you are because we have to edit the show. So we, are, we, we have that more in mind as we play where like I'm really stressed because like I want to win, but I'm also really stressed because I really want the show to be good. Yeah, winning means something different. Right. Like I would say that like I want the show to be good even more than I want to win. Do you think that affects the way you design the games, the if, way you well, guys produce the show? It definitely affects the way we design the games. Because produce, the, the people who produce a game show aren't usually the contestants on every episode. Well, we basically, we need to design the games in such a way that like our producer selves can't get in the way or can get in the way as minimally as possible of our competitors. Of our competitors. And, and I think that's something that is a big thing that we've learned through the seasons is yeah. how to do that. Because I, I think we've, we, I mean, th this is something where it's, this has been like a very active discussion as we go through, as we've gone through the seasons is just like, understanding what the like understanding what the difference between our producer selves and our game selves yeah. is and how do we you know how much of the producer selves can we let into the game well uh, like almost none well almost none but on the other hand like we, you know like you, it needs to be almost none but it can't be none none no. because if it's none none then there's no incentive to be entertaining just because i really want the show to be good i don't i don't like nerf myself right. to make the show good like that's really important to emphasize and like I would never do that, and we would never do that because whether we like it or not, like we have to play as hard as we can, or it's going to be clear that we're not doing that. We have right. to design the games in such a way that like the most entertaining version of them is also the version where we're playing the hardest because we want the incentive of like our competitor self and the incentive of our producer self to be perfectly aligned. Where we're like the best thing we could do right now, both as producers and as competitors, is to like right go hard like one thing for example um is is like we we've been thinking about natural dead moments mm -hmm. like w like a good game has natural moments where there's nothing that you can strategically do to advance in the game itself because what that does is it gives the time for the entertainment without having to trade strategy for entertainment i think you know for ex like that's something where we realized that um you know maybe one of the um, one of the things that makes car-based seasons um, less strong is the fact that there is never a moment that you cannot be advancing in the game because there's no natural barriers. It, it, you, you can always turn on your car and drive forward or do a challenge. There's never a moment to have fun. Without... Well, there's the moments when you're driving in the car yeah, yeah, and there's yeah. nothing else you can do, mm -hmm. which like we do have a lot of bits that we do then, but like any time that you're not driving, you should be doing a challenge as quickly as possible and getting right. into your car as quickly as possible and going. And like any second that you're walking instead of jogging, you're falling behind technically, which mm -hmm. makes it so that like you never have a moment where you can breathe. Whereas like in a train-based season, like in TAG, there were times when it's like- I'm You're waiting, waiting around the a station. I'm waiting for the train. Adam and there's a lovely two hours in- In Tergenier. Tergenier. Um, and like there was nothing we could do. There was no way that we could advantage, get ahead in the game, other than to just hang around and wait for that train to come. So what do you do in future seasons to account for the insane balance of like, you, when you add a new guest, there's a new person coming in each time. So the game has to be structured that you guys have a dynamic, you know what you're doing, and you're always gonna be paired up, uh, Sam, you're always gonna be paired up with somebody who is new to the thing. How do you balance for that? Balance for making the guest look good because you don't want to bring people on a show and have them look like an asshole. That's that's a good way to not get guests later. Like it's not just a game; it is entertainment. You want to lean into the ways in which this person can be entertaining and the ways this in which this person can be competitive, uh, while also uh, keeping the game fair. Like I don't know. It seems like a lot of moving parts here. You're you're basically asking what the purpose of life is. Like, <laughs> like that that is like yeah. the biggest question. Well, I mean, one thing that I've said often about jet lag when I talk about like what I think its tone is is that I'm like it's a competition show that's edited like a comedy show. 
I don't necessarily feel like we've we've found like the ultimate answer to how to always you know nail it with the guest and make sure that a dynamic is right and all sorts of stuff like that because it is hard having to you know come in with someone that you know not not everyone ultimately is perfect for on camera there there are personalities that seem to you know work best on on camera you need someone who is so who's like sort of outgoing confident um um you know uh, the right balance in this case of like serious and um and competition focused while also you know a little bit playful and all sorts of stuff like that there's also the thing where you kind of in a way you need someone who's a little bit different from me because I, I think any pair you want yeah, you want a bit of a balance. And, and, I, and I think uh, in some of our earlier seasons, I mean, it's, it's no wonder that some of my friends, uh, some of my closer friends like Joseph and Brian are more similar to me. I think it's still something that we're learning as we're going. I mean, we've only had three guests so far, um, considering that we had Brian twice and we had a season without a guest. So still very much learning. And um, I, I really feel like I had something more insightful to say about well, this. Well, I was going to mention that we've done more to prepare guests for the game. Oh, yeah, that's helped a lot. So, like, that's been a big thing. So, like, season one, you know, we just threw Brian into it. He had no idea what was going on. He didn't have any prep. You know, that game had a lot of sort of meta that we had figured out a little bit of early on, which was, like, that was a game where, like, you really needed to have a working basic knowledge of various strategic elements in order to play it competently. And we didn't really prep Brian for that, which ended up making the dynamic be like, Sam knows what's going on. Brian was a little more along for the ride. He was less of a, a real partner in the competitive decision-making, which I think was a weakness of the guest dynamic in that season. Yeah. But then for Battle for America, we brought Brian into the simulations more and really prepped him more. And then he was able to be more of an equal decision-maker in that game, and Toby, I think, was has been the most equal decision maker of any game, mm -hmm. where like she's very active in the strategy discussions with Sam and is able to feel like a true partner, not just like someone who's tagging along while Sam makes the decision. Yeah, and and you know, in, in both cases, but you know, the thing that I, I've learned how to do better is um, make sure that I'm willing to do the thing that I don't think is right strategically, as long as as long as it's not totally off base. Like there, there were times in um, season four with Brian, where it's like, I, I really pushed back because we fundamentally disagreed on strategy enough where I thought like, this is wrong enough that it, it's almost just not gonna make the game work because it's gonna give too much opportunity to Ben and Adam. But there were times, you know, I, I think we've talked actually in, in, in the uh, Nebula, Nebula exclusive layover podcast, um, about you know how how like Toby and I this season for example were deciding uh, one of our di bigger things where we had two different ideas of what the strategically best thing to do was what route to take on the South Island of New Zealand take the West or East route for Brian and I the similar case was um, we when we were in Springfield Massachusetts deciding whether or not to kind of give up on the East Coast then and fly west or not um, I was a little bit more on the side of let's stick around for a little bit longer let's um, you know, let's attack some of their states and all this stuff like that. Brian was like, let's let's cut our losses, go west. Um, but in both those cases, because I was like, not this is clearly the right decision in my mind. It's like I have a, I have a preference for this. I make sure in those cases, like, okay, the guest is here. They only get one shot at this, except for in the case of Brian. Um, so they're going to get the chance to kind of call strategy here, um, which I think makes for good stuff. And and also like. You know, I, I think it's right. I, I think it's good to have people who are a little bit less involved with the game to be playing the game strategically because I think we go into it with a very confident idea of like how to maximize the strategy, how to how to like like because we've we've done the play testing, we've discussed it internally, we we have kind of a vision of how the game should be played, right? Whereas whereas a guest doesn't have that as much at least. So it's good to have kind of a more, I don't know, variable dynamic in it. But I, I think that's important for also making sure that it feels like we're partners and not like this person is watching me play a game, um, which is, I think, something that we, we, yeah, as you mentioned, kind of learned a lot since the earlier seasons. How mindful are you of when you're, when you're in a situation and you're playing the game, uh, how others will see you? You and I have known each other for a long time. We've traveled together a bunch. We've played plenty of Secret Hitler. We've done plenty of escape rooms. I know how you are when you're competitive. I know how you are when you're stressed on travel stuff. And not all of that will in every moment translate to somebody seeing that in a clip in a show and think, that guy's a good dude. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true of most people. Uh, how like when, you, when the camera's on you, 
and you're interacting with somebody who is your guest in, in this this uh, thing and your your partner in uh, in the competition, how mindful are you of how your behavior will be perceived by the audience? Not much, which is probably <laughs> the, a problem. Um, as we talked about tunnel vision. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that's like kind of when I say I'm, this is like something that I'm trying to learn to do better, that's, that's like part of it. Mm. Um, because, yeah, it's not really something that I think about. Um, Whereas you guys are thinking more about the, the entertaining part. I would say that I'm not concerned with how people were, will perceive me or us. But I am concerned about people being entertained. Yeah, I think we I think we put a lot of thought into like, well, this is probably going to be a dead moment. We need like a joke. Yeah, here. I mean, like Ben and I are, I think, often like, we should do a bit because when we get in the edit, we're going to need a bit here. I don't let producer me affect my strategy ever, but producer me does affect sometimes my tone or like how many bits I do or whatever because I know like here here's like a good example. So like when Ben and I were in Singapore and we were doing the kayaking challenge, we're going to edit this together in such a way that's basically going to be like, you know, four to seven clips of us kayaking interspersed probably with whatever they're doing at the moment. And so instead of being like, we need to film every minute of us kayaking for this 35 minutes and all that stuff, we just were like, okay, what are five funny things we could say while we're kayaking? Right, and we're kayaking as fast as we can, regardless. Right, but like we're gonna shoot it in a way where we're like, what are five funny things we could do while we're kayaking? Let's get all of those right, and then when we edit it, we have five funny clips we can cut to throughout the journey, and we know that's gonna work in the edit. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fast paced, and that's how we're gonna portray this challenge. When you're making the thing, you're mindful of being entertaining. Are you mindful of uh, creating opportunities for? everyone to be entertaining and how much of the like how much of the good stuff ends up on the cutting room floor because it just didn't help pacing or it didn't help well maybe answering that from my side i think you know this is sort of what what you know they were alluding to before of, of like they're a little bit more down to the weeds of things you know being the ones who edit it so like i think you know one of the things that ben and adam understand really well and started out actually from the get-go understanding well is how to how to not just be entertaining, but be entertaining in small moments, um, mm -hmm. because like I th I think on my side, like a lot of the entertainment has been like I have this big grand plan that is going to span four different episodes, right? Whereas y'all understand how to do like the one liners right. and the little bits and the mm -hmm. stuff like that that can serve those smaller moments and be you know basically like jokes and bits and stuff like that. But is there stuff that you do that you're like that was really good and then it's cut out and you're like well shit. I feel like a lot of the times when the stuff that I thought was funny was cut out, it's stuff that was entirely inappropriate for our general audience. We do a lot more bits or we have a lot more interesting moments or conversations than we need because we don't know what the other side looks like. Yeah, so that's, we need, that's a really important thing that not a lot of people realize. So like sometimes we do them knowing like if they're doing something really interesting during this, we won't need this at all. And then sometimes we have really good material for those times where Actually, we don't right. need it at all. And do you, you gotta... reuse anything? Like, if something doesn't get oh, used, yeah. do you save it for later? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes we'll like ne never in a way that's like misleading. No, not misleading. No, 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 but, but that's just good just writing. A bit. Yeah, we'll we'll totally reuse those occasionally. Yeah, we'll we'll like switch things around by like you know if there's a if we needed like a bit in the car during a time like and we had one from earlier, we'll like switch it by a few hours and we'll just use a shot like shot out of the dash because like we needed something to cut to. We will make adjustments for pacing and continuity and stuff, but we, we, we take very seriously that like we want to be giving an honest accounting of how the game played out in reality. Like we never want to be misleading the audience. Very firmly, I think, it yeah. is worth like to- You need accountability for that. Well, like what we realize is like one time of us like fudging the timelines uh, like you know, to to ramp up drama, the audience will lose trust. Right, and exactly. we we have we we really do because of a lot of stuff that we talked about with like the fact that we are producing the show and on the show, the fact that we cut so much down to so little, and a lot of different stuff. We rely on audience trust, so it's the kind of thing where like we know that we can't even let any 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 tiny bit of that trust go away mm -hmm. by for example ramping up drama with the edit every season of the amazing race the end 
is presented as if it's neck and neck. And then you realize that when the first team finished, there was daylight. And when the second team got there, it was nighttime. And you're like, well, oh, well, clearly they were never close at all. And you've been lying to me this whole time. And like, we never, ever want to do that. Is there a sense of, as the games are designed or like you guys are doing bits, is there a sense of world building that's intentional? Like this is a show that has a much more highly parasocial audience than I think H.I.R. Wendover and more so than many of the other shows that we work with. The jet lag audience is like intense. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we ever anticipated the level of fan base intensity, if that's the right word. We There's got. a lot of depth. A lot of depth. In yeah, and, and I think you know it's it, it's still a little bit like I don't, I mean I I don't still fully understand why the fan base is as engaged as it is. Really? I mean I I understand like I understand why a fan base would be relatively engaged, but to the extent that we have, I think it's pretty incredible. There's a a dynamic between Ben and Adam, and there's a, a dynamic between the teams. You get a celebrity guest on. Mm -hmm. uh, the format changes every season, but the reason for the intensity is that there are so many different types of personalities playing sure. out on the screen. Like whoever you are in that audience, you can cast yourself into each of these roles. Yeah, and and, and I think there's a certain level of it that's also like it's a weirdly, in a counterintuitive way, it's a weirdly like intimate show. Right. Well, that's that's what I right. think is is really what it is because so. you are giving a lens into like high stress environments in a foreign like. Not only you're in a foreign place, usually, all of this, yes, and and you are putting yourself in a high stress environment in a foreign place, and you are showing every single waking moment of your day, and you're bringing you're you're kind of bringing someone along with you in like an intimate lens into this experience that you could almost never imagine having yourself. You're with us for a lot of highs and lows, and like we are us in the show for the most part, like. That is Ben's and my real relationship. Like, but the, the feedback loop is weird. I mean, like, one thing I'll say is, like, and I think we've both, I think Sam has experienced this more sort of throughout his life, and this is something that we're a little newer right. to, but, like, being conceptualized by people that you don't know yeah. is a weird experience. And then it feeds back into, like, well, this is, like, the image people have of us, and so, like, this is what we have to do on the show. Right. And so it's like there's like a tension there. Of like, I mean, we, yeah, we've we've I think we've talked about it as like it, it's like a it's like a slightly distorted mirror of yourself. Yeah, is what the because like you you know with confidence who you are, and then you see the audience approximate that to like eighty yeah. percent. Yeah, and so it's a weird dynamic of just like, oh yeah, you 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 kind of are appreciating me for me, but in a way you're you're like do this because this is what we want you to do. Right, and so it's almost just like you have to fill this character for us as the audience. And, right. And well, it's it's uh, somebody watching Jetlag. It's not just like, you know, I could dream of someday doing what they did. Sure. It's like, I could literally go out with my friends and do this right now. Sure. Tag Across Europe is like by far the most accessible. Like you could yeah. play that game. The most accessible. And I would definitely recommend playing that game over over Connect 4. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we would also, you know, we also don't want to encourage people to take a bunch of, you know, flights Well, that, that's that's going to lead to the, the next but, bit of this that I wanted to talk yeah. about. The last leg of this every day and this isn't this isn't hyperbole every day somebody asks me when there's going to be a version of jet lag that they can play i don't know what to tell these people anymore and i'm not saying let's make promises i'll give the pr answer yeah, give me the pr answer yeah, i don't know least. what i'm about to the, say the pr this. answer is that we don't want to make promises because there's no concrete plans but i think talking about the challenges of pulling something like there well, yeah, is a reason it hasn't yeah, been done yeah yet. so I, I guess yeah to give a little bit more context like Focus number one right now is just making the show. And it's not like any of us have extra time. I am forcing them to crank out the content. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like none of us have really like extra time to be working on really anything but the show itself. And so we've had to be, I think, very careful about, you know, where do we, you know, for example, like we are going to spend a little bit of, of that time that we can justify doing like the layover podcast. Um, exclusive to Nebula. So like, yeah, thing number one to know is just like, we're all three of us and more than us, you know, production, um, everyone who works on the other channels. I mean, it's worth considering that like, since I need to put time on this, the other channels need a little bit more support because I'm spending time that I would otherwise be on the other There's channels. a whole machine. Right, exactly. So, so there's not really excess capacity. So right now our big focus and a lot of the reason why we hired an additional person um, a couple months ago 
um, to fill some of the HI role was to free up a little bit more time from Ben and Adam. Also, you know, basically get them back down from working too much to a more sustainable level. Um, and, you know, so, so that we can focus on making the show and increasing frequency and all sorts of stuff like that. We're doing that. And then we need to build time to do something like um, a more experiential jet lag thing. It's the kind of thing where we could tomorrow, you know, farm it out to some third party. You person. could crank something out. We could crank something out. But... You could go full Ninja Turtles here with like jet lag bed sheets yeah. and jet lag backpacks and yeah. jet lag trapper keepers. People like... love trapper keepers. Love... The kids, they love the trapper keepers. Kids go nuts for a trapper keeper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, we it's like we have this really cool position where our brand is worth a lot especially relative to kind of the viewership size. Like viewership size is not small, but this fan base punches above its weight. No, you're, you're uh, I think of it typically in terms of breadth versus depth. Mm -hmm. And there are our channels, uh, our friend Joseph, Real Life Lore, he has immense breadth, mm -hmm. very, very wide channel, not as deep. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the audience is definitely not nothing, especially around modern conflicts, but um, nothing that would, uh, would even come close to what jet lag sees, which is, it does fine in terms of breadth, but the depth is where you guys really shine. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think because of that, because we have a lot of trust and engagement with the fan base, so like we don't want to lose trust with the audience by putting out a mediocre board game, which you play like three times because it's jet lag, and then right. you put in the closet and yeah. never do again, or doing some event that ends up being um, you know, a nightmare because it's really just a scavenger hunt, but you paid $100 for it, and everyone mm -hmm. is like, oh, that was kind of lame. So yeah, yeah. we want to do these things. We want to give the audience kind of a way to essentially play jet lag in, in some way, um, you know, in some way that does not involve um, emitting lots of carbon dioxide by flying around the world at really high expense or anything like that. But we want some way for the audience to play, but we only want to do that when we're sure that it's going to be like really good, basically. I'm, I'm asking the question here, but I'm, I'm playing a character in doing so. The, the answer, I think, is that uh, the when did when did the first season drop? It was less than a year ago. It was just under a year. Ago, just yeah. under a year ago. Uh, despite the number of seasons and despite what you guys have done in the last year, there there you've you built a lot of trust in a very short period of time, right. and you've gotten a lot done in a short period of time. But none of this is uh, I, something I would describe as perfectly sustainable. And there is a ton of opportunity to overspend the capital that you've built or to misunderstand the capital that you've built and fuck it all up. Mm -hmm. And putting out a shitty uh, exactly. cash the check anything board game, like the worst thing you could do. Putting out a shitty cash the check anything, the worst thing you could do. I don't think that the move for you guys would be to do anything that is pure capitalization. I think that is how you lose that depth. We work so hard to make the show good and it is not easy to do it yeah. over and over again and to do it in, I mean, like, and just to as aside yeah. from that, like, I think it'd be easy to think that because we have been able to do it again and again, that it's easy, almost harder. But I think it's yeah, exactly. It's almost harder. And the only thing that the time has given us is understanding how we can translate time into goodness. We could make it so that like every season we're playing some version of like tag across Europe, which is like our biggest season, be, right? But it'd, get be sick so, of it. but it'd be lame and people get sick of it and like and we would get and we'll get sick of it. Like you don't want to do that six we, times a year. Exactly. We we like. We are really, I think, dedicated to trying to make the show feel fresh and exciting every season and and making it so that it can feel fresh and exciting and exciting to us and exciting to the audience and still be as good as previous seasons that we're really proud of. So much could go wrong in any single one of these. And like, you know, we always get people thinking that we stage the show, which I take as a huge badge of pride because it means that we've designed all the games well. Like designing games. Is that a thing? Like, I, like nobody ever asked I've, me about I've that. I've seen a lot of it. I think we're probably hypersensitive to we're it. But, yeah, yeah. But it makes sense. Like, we've had I mean, moments I, that look so I just like. Not to take away your, your bad No, no. Pride. I'm just saying, like, we're so focused on making sure that doesn't slip that, like, anything else, we're just very wary of splitting our focus. And then again, as Sam is saying, then the second part of that is anything else that we release, we feel so strongly we need to be incredible. I don't disagree like, with any of this. I mean? and, and there, I, there is though a, a, a commerce balance where, like, the show has to get paid for so you can keep doing it. Right. And everything is fine right now. Does there hit a point where, like, you want to do something bigger? And the way to do that is like, 
the increase in Nebula subscriptions isn't enough to 10x the budget, let's say. But doing this other thing, whatever it is, you know, uh, uh, imagine, you know, insert your imaginary uh, best thing here. Um, doing that might bring in the money that would lead to the thing. So where do you find that balance? Well, I think the hope with us is like, there's never a means, there's only the end. And like, hopefully when we're doing like merchandise and, and you know, events or board games or anything like that, that is not some way to raise money for the main thing. That's just an expansion of what we're doing. Are you ready for me to be really annoying and esoteric? Are you excited for it? Yes, let's see it. You know, you know um, the uh, categorical imperative? No. Immanuel Kant, uh, one of the big thinkers in ethics, uh, his big ethical framework is something called the categorical imperative, which is formulated in two different ways. But one of the two ways is to never treat people as a means, but always as an end to themselves. And I think that we, as Sam is saying, anything that we do, we want to view as an end, not a means. Wait, so you're saying that I, I reached... Famous philosopher level philosophy. You did by it. accident. Aren't you proud of yourself? What Adam means is that he went to Yale. <laughs> and only went to Brown. But actually that, that segues into one other thing I was going to mention on this broader thing. Like, I think all three of us um, it, like, are, get really satisfied by the creative process. And I, and I think in ben and, ben and Adam's case, you know, one way that they've demonstrated that is like they both went to Ivy League schools. They both could have gotten jobs where they could have instantly started making plenty more money than as a comedy writer in any realm. Um, and and while I do think that there's uh, you know plenty of long term potential, like there were shortcuts you could take to making money faster. Oh, of course, um, abundantly. But um, clearly, in both of your cases, the creative process itself is fulfilling and satisfying enough for yourself that it's like okay, we are willing to do the harder work that is more satisfying to that end than, and, and that translates into the show itself where like, um, you know, we want to make sure that this is something that's still creatively interesting to ourselves in five or 10 years. I'm going to soft agree, medium disagree on sort of the, the framing of the premise here. I don't think that it's, I'm not taking the position uh, money is the end all be all. What I'm saying is, uh, nor should it be that infinite expansion is the, the desired outcome. What I'm saying is at a certain point, there may be ambitions that exceed the things, uh, the, the available uh, resources. Yeah. Or let's flip it the other direction. If the money stops coming in, do you keep doing the show? Do you start spending your own personal money to keep doing the show? Because if the answer is no, then of course money mattered at some point. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I think none of those are situations we've encountered. No, there, no. There is... Um, oh, in the hypothetical. I'll, I'll say it this way. So for Nebula on the engineering team, the product team, uh, the categorization system that we use is uh, three columns, A, B, and C. And uh, anything that is in the A column, it kind of comes down to, because this is a machine that's designed to help creators make money, um, we prioritize... Uh, column A is uh, things that will definitely increase revenue. Um, column B is things that will uh, probably... And then column C is maybe. Mm -hmm. Like these are things definitely will make creators money, will probably right. make creators money, will maybe make creators money. Mm -hmm. And then any given feature gets placed in one of those columns and then sure. teams will rotate through A, B, and C. And that's sort of how we make sure all those things get covered. But obviously one of those things gets higher prioritization. When you're prioritizing, at some point, do you, do you prioritize one thing over another to say getting this done really well is worth the... Uh, the this much additional work that would be uh, taken away from another thing in time, which doesn't make the other thing worse. It might just make the other thing later. Oh, sure. So you mean like, is there ever a world where like we have a two month gap between seasons so we can spend the time to make a great board game? Or reinvest resources from uh, whatever bag you get, whatever the, the profit margin is on a given season rather than reinvesting that into the next season, uh, like start stockpiling to reinvest and hiring a person to handle that thing. Or yeah, I, at a certain point, I'm Yeah, I mean, that's, that's always, I think, the process for any channel is, is pulling levers like that. How long have we been talking? It feels like two uh, hours. This is way yeah, too long. Yeah, uh, we're, we, I don't know if we got resolution on anything. Ben, can you say something controversial? Oh, is it time for me to say something controversial? I'd like it to be. My most controversial opinion is that I 
don't think we should have ever tried to do anything other than plastic straws. Um, whenever I get like uh, an eco-friendly straw, it They're makes terrible. me mad. Ooh, wait, have you tried the ones at Juice Press? No, because I don't drink okay. juices. The Juice Press <laughs> alternative straws, they're like the first ones that I've used that are like, I actually like this more than a plastic straw. Well. Okay, interesting. It has a great texture. Bluestone they're Lane, little, I think, uses the same ones. They and might they're pretty be. good. They, the, the wrapper, the wrapper that it comes in, it perfectly pulls off. You don't, the, the, the top doesn't come off. It, it like opens like a banana. Have you tried a bamboo straw? No, where are you getting all those straws? <laughs> For those of you who are wondering why it suddenly jumped to here, it's because we kept going with the straw conversation for way too long. Ben's asleep, or dead, we're not sure which. So we're gonna end this right here. Do you guys wanna tell what your Twitter things are for the people who, who don't? Sure, no. for the 12 people who are watching this and don't follow us on Twitter, who've right. gotten to the end of this video, Adam H. Chase. The, it'll be more than 12. It's, yeah. it's always weird how these things work. Are you on Twitter? I honestly, what is my handle? I think it's Wendover Productions. Pro. Windover Pro. I, got oh, Wendover yeah, I guess Pro. it is because I yeah I took yeah. the because uh, you used to be Sam from Wendover, but then yeah, you then made switched, the yeah, yeah. Uh, the Wendover Pro your personal. Yeah, don't. Uh, I lost my verification because I I changed the I as a as a joke switched from Dave Whiskus to Dave Nebula and it it died. It was a really good joke. It's gone forever. Hey, it's not even a good bit, and I lost my fucking badge over it. All right, we're gonna eat. Um, watch Jetlag on Nebula. And listen to the exclusive, or watch, is there a video version? You guys don't nah, do that. Listen to the exclusive jet lag podcast, The Layover, uh, only available on Nebula, wherever fine Nebulas are sold. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Let's go eat some food. Which camera are we, we waving really at? really good at the awkward way of yeah, the, the Nebula. <laughs> <laughs>